1: Here's Joyce Bender.
2: Welcome to the show, everyone. I hope you're having a great day. I know you're probably in snow if you're on the East Coast. We are here in Pittsburgh, but not that bad. Um, Just everyone be safe. Be safe. Be safe. I am so excited today because our guest is the new president of Carlo University, Dr. Suzanne Mellon who I will tell you I'm so proud to be on the board of Carlo University, and I can tell you, genuine, genuine, intelligent, wonderful. I love her, and it is so exciting to have her here with us. Just think, she left New England. We won't mention the name of that football team to come here to Pittsburgh, and when she was interviewed, one of my first questions I'll ask you now. Dr. Mellon, you're going to go black and gold, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely.
3: <laughs> it's, uh, and I'm so pleased because black and gold is for all the sports teams here in Pittsburgh. So That's it right. makes it very easy to do that.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's right. It is for all of them. Well, Dr. Mellon, I am so excited that you're here and you're leading the way at Carlo. How do you like Pittsburgh? And, you know, what are some of the differences you've noticed since you moved here from New England? <laughs>
3: Uh thank you Joyce. I'm delighted to be on your program Disability Matters. I think it provides an important role and voice uh across this country and internationally, I understand. So I'm very pleased to uh be on here and talking with your audience. I have uh, fallen in love with Pittsburgh. I um, am I've been here 6 months now and I am delighted with how I'm welcomed so um, so, in, in such a high way by everybody that I've been meeting, both internally on the campus community, um, the students are terrific, they look at me as my president, which I think is a great uh, honor to have, and the faculty and staff have been very receptive, but importantly also, I've been embraced and welcomed with um, the external community. And that means a lot to me because I know for a university to be successful in today's world, you need to have a very strong relationship and connection with the community. And I will say, when I was interviewing for the presidency, people would say to me, Pittsburgh is a big little town, and I know now what that means, having lived here for six months. People know every, know each other, and so there is a strong sense of commitment to the community, a strong sense of people working together. So I am just delighted to be part of the fabric of this community, and I'm finding my way around still um, with all the tunnels and the bridges, and um, it's just a great area, so I'm delighted to be here.
2: Well, we're happy to have you, and I know everyone listening to the show um, is excited with your new position. Those listening in Pennsylvania, if you do see Dr. Mellon, please follow with that wonderful, friendly Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania uh, way that we have. You know, I always say, Dr. Mellon, that this is the only city, where you see people walk into stores or restaurants, wherever it is, and they're carrying on this big conversation, and you're sure, wow, they must have known each other a long time, and they just met.
3: (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I know exactly
2: what you mean. Yes, yes. That's why we were voted once the friendliest city. Mm -hmm. But, yes, but, Dr. Uh, Mellon, you came to Carlo from St. Anselm. I always pronounce that wrong. Is that correct? That's correct, St. Okay. Anselm mm-hmm. College in New Hampshire. Um, so why why did you ever decide I want this career path in education? What
3: made you decide to do that? Um, that's a great question Joyce and I and I will say um, your audience may not know that I'm a nurse by discipline. And uh so I have practiced in the community, I practiced working with families with uh disabilities, families that are dealing with chronic illnesses, and enjoyed, enjoy it very much. But I um, had the opportunity um, earlier in my career, while I was raising my family, to also do some teaching. And I also enjoyed that very much and saw the opportunity to blend somewhat of my background in a professional discipline with the ability to um, impact on lives that are going to be going out and making a difference in the community. And so my career path um was able to both blend some clinical practice at the same time teaching and then gradually um, through several years went back and got a doctorate. I did uh, practice working with various family uh, groups and then also became interested as a researcher in uh, cancer survivorship and then uh, was sort of tapped on the on the shoulder to think about becoming an administrator. So then became a dean, and then an executive vice president, and now a president. So that I think um, what I've said to many uh, students is that, which I think is true in today's world even more so than for for me, is that you you do not know what opportunities are out there for you when you go back to school and to get a degree. You may think this is what you're going to do, but I'm sort of a living example of when I was an undergraduate student, I never in my wildest dreams would have thought of myself being a university president. But my career path and different opportunities lent itself to really doing that and, and sort of building on what I had done before and the opportunity to work with so many people in many ways and uh, work with faculty, work with students, work with people in the community to address what are the educational needs that are needed to make sure the community and the workforce become vibrant in addressing, again, the changing needs. So there's so many opportunities that you can have, and I think for me, education has been that route, and one where... I am never bored. There's always lots of change going on, lots of opportunity, and lots of things that you can work in tandem with others, too. So the collaborative aspect of being in education has been one that I've also uh, enjoyed so very much.
2: You know what? That is really a great story for all the young people. You're right, because so many Oh, what's going to happen to me when I go to college? Should I go? This is what it's going to be. And look mm-hmm. what happened with you. Mm-hmm. That, that mm-hmm. is really a great example.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, we have a question for you um, that just came in from Donna from West Palm Beach, Florida.
0: Hi Joyce,
2: yeah. Hi Joyce. I know Carlo has a nursing program. I would love to know Doctor Mellon's thoughts on reasonable accommodations for students in their nursing program.
3: That's a great question. Um, I have. I was a dean at um, a college of uh, health professions and nursing, and so I have. I've had to address issues of students with needing accommodations, and and frankly, we have always worked with students, uh, depending upon what they present, um, that if they're able to complete um, the academic portion of the program and have the ability to do that, that having any... uh physical accommodation that may be necessary is usually managed and handled and it has been uh something that i've seen students be successful at addressing that and i I've, I've always been impressed with people at their ability to um, to integrate what other challenges they may have to really then be successful. Now, it may mean, depending upon what the individual's accommodations are, that they um, may not be able to do certain types of nursing, but there are such a broad range of nursing um, opportunities and what people can do that um, I think it's pretty broad with uh, opportunities. But it's a, it's a great question because it it really does showcase the um the various opportunities, or areas in healthcare related that can come from people that may need different accommodations.
2: Yes. And if I may just comment on that question, I can tell you myself that during uh, Dr. Mellon's interview with the board that actually when I ask a question about this, um, I still remember her telling me, you have my full support for students with disabilities being integrated. And now today, here we have nurses uh, who are deaf and with all types of disabilities. Uh-huh. Um, and I can just tell you that this is a welcoming university, and I know Dr. Mellon is really taking us into the future with you know, so many new things. So I would encourage anyone listening to the show, if they have a child with a disability, you know, to definitely, definitely feel comfortable with Carlo University.
3: Thank you, Joyce.
2: Well, I remember. I remember uh-huh. what you said, and uh-huh. I know that you are all business. So,
3: you know, we I, have I, several, I... We have several students with uh uh different disabilities that require some accommodation and i would say that they've been uh very integrated into the uh campus community here and uh, and they're part of our they're part of our community and our uh and uh and lend uh, a great deal of i would say um, uh, you know i think the scope of what they give in the ability for other students to learn from them and mm-hmm. how they've overcome different uh, issues and adversity in their life is, frankly, a strength. And as you look at uh, what they're saying now in today's world in, in higher education and the skill sets that people need, that uh, individuals who are really resilient in the face of change is something that they're going to face every all the rest of their lives. So the ability to show that fortitude and the ability to be resilient, to be able to see opportunities, focus on what could be opportunities for them and solutions, um, so that they are being prepared to really be leaders in the fields that they enter, whatever those fields may be.
2: Yeah. Wow. And I I know that that is. Absolutely true. That's why I always say to hiring managers, if you're looking for people who think outside the box, you came to the right place because like me with epilepsy, you know, for a time, you know, in the late 80s, after my accident, I could not drive. And therefore I had to think how to get to work, how to have someone pick me up. People who are deaf are constantly, how do I need to communicate better or blind or wheelchair, whatever it is. So, you know, we already come with that, Mm -hmm. uh, we already come with that innate skill people look for. But right right now we're going to go to break and then when we come back, we'll be talking more to Dr. Suzanne Mellon, President of Carlo University based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away, we'll be right back with Dr. Mellon.
1: News. News. Opinion. News. Opinion.
0: A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
1: How do you know if you're living with an addict? If you think you know all the recognizable signs, you probably don't. If you're listening to and reading from the so-called experts, you probably don't. You need to hear from a parent, just like yourself, who has been there and can tell you what it's like firsthand. Please listen to Afflicted by Addiction with Bradley DeHaven, our program is heard every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. It just might save your life, or the life of someone you love. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at one 866 Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joyce Spender.
2: Hey, welcome back to the show, everyone. If you just tuned in, we're talking to Dr. Suzanne Mellon, the new president of Carlo University, based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but, of course, a national university. And, Dr. Mellon, what really impressed me one of the things that really impressed me is how you served as a psychiatric clinical nurse specialist. And what really, really impressed me is that it was to the underserved population. So I would have to think that this early social service work speaks volumes about you because I know that you believe in paying it forward and serving others. How do you feel? Do you think that is a must for college or university
3: presidents today to have that type of spirit? Great question, Joyce, and uh, yes, I do. I uh, believe in, uh, part of that is some of how I'm wired in my DNA, is that um, in today's world to uh, be somewhat in an ivory tower as a university president is not going to work. Uh, to be effective, you have to be connected with the community that you 're serving you 're really a servant leader in many ways, both to your students, those who come to you, those you 're trying to recruit, and to the surrounding region and beyond that you 're saying, here we need to partner with the community and with government and with all groups to say, how do we prepare um, individuals, both young people?" Um, young adults, older adults to help themselves uh, become better in in their their whatever may be their their wanting a certain career or learning about things so that they didn't even know about themselves that then help them to be contributing members to the community so I think the service piece and particularly Cardinal University is a Catholic university so service is somewhat core to our mission of how we view uh, the Catholic intellectual tradition. And um, our mission statement, in fact, even, even identifies an ethic of service for a just and merciful world. So the attention to what is the common good and the attention to service in the community is critical to who we are. So our students are not just intellectually prepared, but they're also, I would say, socially and ethically grounded in looking at service to the world. And I'm proud to say that um, since uh, the President's Higher Education Community Service Honor Roll was launched in 2006, Carlo has been on that list since that time uh, for the efforts that they do within the community, both students, faculty, and staff. So that's a real point of pride for me and a point of distinction for the university of what they do in service. And then what happens is pay it forward that you mentioned, then uh, students when they graduate, they're, they're going back or they're within their communities because oftentimes we have commuting students or adult students that may be online that they are then serving their communities wherever that may be. So I see this as this web outreach that is really making a difference both in the world, um, not even locally, regionally, across the country, but also globally. So we see that impact happening in areas where we have, for example, several faculty that are engaged in work in Uganda. So it it has this, uh, I think, ripple effect, and in today's world and in higher education, it's much more... Um, an impact on understanding the global implications of students being prepared to function in a world that has increasingly become smaller because of the of the uh information technology and the ability to partner and do work across across the globe.
2: Yes, and uh yeah, you know, I'm with you. It's all about giving. It's all about giving back. It really is. that To me, I always tell my employees that's what really builds character because it's not all about me. It's mm-hmm. not all about me. And when you learn that, that probably would be one of the greatest lessons you could learn, whether you're a high school, college student, uh, or adult, but... Mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, uh, Dr. Mellon, that you came to us from St. Anselm College in Manchester, New Hampshire. What were you doing there, and could you tell us a little bit about the school?
3: Sure. Uh, St. Anselm College is a uh, liberal arts college in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, just north of Boston. And I went there. It's, a, it's all undergraduate students, and I went there as the executive vice president. So my role there was really the chief operating officer. So I oversaw really all spe- aspects of the of the college that included academic affairs, um, finance, advancement, uh, student affairs. Um, we had an um, institute of politics, so I was involved in that, campus ministry. So I was essentially the uh, COO within college. Uh, Within the college and helping to, with the president set strategic, uh, strategic direction to where the college was going.
2: Well, I'm, I'm glad you have that experience, but I'm happy that you came here with us.
3: It, uh, and it very and much prepared me for a presidency, that's for sure.
2: <laughs> That's for sure. Uh uh-huh. Dr. Mellon, before I ask you the next question, we have a landay here from Dayton, Ohio who wants to know, uh Joyce, would you mind asking Dr. Mellon, uh, what is the graduate program like at Carlo? Uh
3: great question and I'm happy to talk about that. We um we have uh, at Carlo a mix of both um, traditional undergraduate students, adult students coming back to get their undergraduate degree, and graduate students. So we have, a, frankly, a wide variety of graduate offerings uh, with nearly, we have over 900 students here. In our graduate programs. So in our School of Nursing, we have graduate programs, and we, for family nurse practitioner as well as a doctor of nursing practice, in other degrees within the uh nursing school. We have a school of education which also has graduate programs uh, for teachers and those who are going on to provide additional uh, leadership roles within different school systems as well as for uh within the classrooms and certification in special education, etc. We also have um in our uh, School of Social Change, we have master's degrees and, and also a doctoral degree in psychology. So that is a very popular field for many students coming in and master's in counseling. And so we have, a again, that service that students want to provide in making a difference. We also have, in our School of Management, we have a MBA degree, and we have um, both online and uh, face-to-face options for both an MBA as well as our Master's in Fraud and Forensics, which has been, again, a growing need that probably wouldn't have been present 20 years ago, so that's become a, a more... Um, Obviously, positive uh, uh, or option for us to really provide service back to the community, and we also have a uh, Master of Fine Arts, which is again another uh, opportunity to sort of showcase who we are as a university, and that is uh, a very popular program. Also done both um, with students from across the country, where they do some residency here in Pittsburgh but they also do some of it in uh, Dublin, Ireland. So it uh it is a it's a great program that is it is well known. So we have lots of options and we have faculty that are very interested in looking at where is the need for where students need advanced education past their baccalaureate. So I see us as having great opportunities to really build on that, on that in the future. Great question from your uh, caller.
2: Well, um, and thank you and I I'm sure that was uh, helpful to many people, not just that caller. But I, I wanted to uh, ask you, for those that don't know, you know, what is the size of Carlo? I know Carlo has a specific mission that you t- uh, talked a little bit about earlier. But could you give our listeners just a little bit more insight and detail to Carlo?
3: Sure. Um, Carlo is uh, was founded by the. Uh... Religious Sisters of Mercy um, from uh, Ireland, and uh, Ir- uh, Pittsburgh was the first area where the sisters um, came from Ireland, with their focus being to address what the community needs and I would say that uh, that basic value of addressing community need permeates uh, much of the mission of Carlo University today at that time it was Mount Mercy College, then it became Carlo College. Uh, really derived from where the sisters came from Ireland and now Carlo University because of the breadth and depth of what we offer now um, as a university. We are a small university, we are about 2,400 students, and we um, are Catholic and uh, grounded uh, strongly, master's comprehensive, grounded in the liberal arts, that is really embodying the heritage and values of the sisters and looking at lifelong learning, so looking at students holistically, looking at how they blend the best that they can be with their scholarship and research, and that we are actively working with students and our faculty and staff to really both intellectually but socially and spiritually to affirm values, how they respond into the world today, and and to their spiritual sense as well as to embrace what an ethic of service is for a just and merciful world. So our academic offerings, as I've mentioned, for the graduate But undergrad, we have the diversity of offerings that you would expect for both undergraduate nursing, for uh, liberal arts and sciences. Our sciences are very strong, preparing students for careers in uh, perfusion technology and biology, but we have chemistry, we have math, we have theology, we have business and accounting, so and as well as in social change, uh, sociology, communications, media, we have art. our um, undergraduate degree in art is very popular with a focus on art therapy. Uh, again, that service back to the community. So I would say we're uh, a pretty diverse offering uh, with uh, what we offer here at Carlow University.
2: Okay, well, I'm gonna skip down. I wanna ask you a question. I know I'll ask this again. But I think Carlos is so fantastic. But as you mentioned, it is a small, uh, small university. And to do all these fabulous programs and to impact, uh, our young people and then create leaders that can create, work to help with social justice also takes money. Mm-hmm. So, if someone is listening to the show today, Um, And they say, wow, this Dr. Mellon and everything she's doing, this is really great what they're doing at CARLO. How would someone make a contribution to CARLO?
3: Um that's thank you for asking that question because that's something as a president you're actively engaged in is telling the university story the important uh frankly transformational work that occurs. I will say since I came here to the university I've been impressed with so many students as well as alumni telling me that this place changed their lives. It made a difference in who they became in their adult, as well as adults in their future lives, um, as is adults. So people, um, and I will say that universities like independent colleges like this, we rely upon support from both alumni and friends of the of the university, because our scholarship support, we were named like one of the twenty best bang for the buck private schools, and it was because we do provide access to students. So we are we rely upon on really getting scholarship support for students to be able to attend. And uh, so they, people can give online. We have the ability to give online, as well as they can mail in um, a check to the university um, that is located, you know, you can, the address is located on our website. And I would
2: encourage everyone to do so. Now, of course, we would just love it if you would give a large contribution, but let me just tell you, everything counts every Absolutely. dollar counts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as you're thinking about this, I hope you will take time to make that contribution because folks, it's only with education that we are going to help people make that change. And and I can tell you um as a Protestant <laughs> that this is a great university. I love this university. And I love the board and I love the sisters um, and I love everything they believe in. Uh, and, and, I mean, I, I really mean it. You know, many of you know me. You know I'm all about uh, disability, but I'm also all about civil rights. So you take time to think about this. Uh, this is really a great, great university. Um, and I know a lot of people don't know, and that's why we're on the air talking to you about that's it great. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've had many people contact me here, uh, that do know about CARLO, Dr. Mellon, and what they want to know is, is this a woman-only university?
3: Um, it is not, and I think that is something that is um, uh, part of our getting our message out. When the sisters first formed um, this college back in 1929, it was with the express purpose of doing it as uh, for educating women. That was its focus. But interestingly, in World War II, and this gives you a sense after World War II, that gives you a sense of the spirit of the sisters, of sort of risk-takers and life-changers in life. When men were returning back from World War II, they did not have enough opportunities for them to really go back and complete their degree under the GI Bill. And the sisters were approached with saying, Will you will you help out and offer degrees, you know, for men returning from the war? And they said, of course we will. (laughs) So that was the first entrance of men onto this campus. And it's really been that way since then. We um, are still predominantly women. Um, but we, um, but we are. I think what our focus has been, and it's a philosophical view, is to ensure that we have a sense of being women-centered, based back on our roots, but the importance of including women's voices and how we look at uh, teaching pedagogy, how we look at collaborative styles. So it's very much um, ingrained in the view of how faculty interact to make sure that all voices are heard in the conversation, and that is somewhat of the notion of women-centered, but we do admit men, and we do have men living in our residence hall and we are, are starting up a basketball team um, in this next year, and we have men cross-country. We have obviously uh, more women's uh, sports teams because that's been our heritage and what we've been involved in. But for our adult and graduate, we have a fair number of men that also attend the university.
2: That's another thing I forgot about. Uh, if you have uh, a daughter that's looking for a college that focuses on, you know, female sports program. Here you go. Don't forget Uh about that. Um, Okay, we have a caller on the line. Charlie, are you on the line?
4: I am on the line.
2: And how are you, Charlie?
1: I'm great, Joyce. How are you today?
2: I'm good. Charlie LaValle, who is the CEO of Variety the Children's Charity, uh, a wonderful, great person. I feel like I have two civil rights leaders on the show <laughs> at the same time. Go ahead, Charlie.
1: Well, Dr. Mellon, I wanted to welcome you to Pittsburgh and to Carlo. My family had a little bakery in Oakland not far from Carlo. Couldn't oh. think we, we were there 60-plus years, I believe, <laughs> <laughs> um, many of the sisters and and uh, um, and many of the students were in the bakery. We were only a block away from where you are. and oh, nice. um So I wanted to welcome you to Pittsburgh, and, and I'm really excited as I hear the things you've been talking about and what you're doing. And, and I guess I wondered, who's really had the influence in your life? When you look back, who do you point to as
3: having oh. really shaped you? Great question. Great question. Um, I would say the person that I think has had the most influence in my life um, has probably been my mother. Has probably been my mother. Uh, she uh, was never able to uh, have the opportunity to go to college. And, you know, there, I was one of four girls. So, you know, I'm a first-generation college student. So she was very vehement that her daughters were going to go to college. And I think about that as something that, you know, many students that are starting college now, their parents have such a tremendous influence on their life and want things to be better for their children. But the, you know, when you think about the gateway to future success and the ability to um, have multiple diverse careers and opportunities is often through education. So I would say my mother was really um, a major influence for me, and as a consequence, now that my children are now second-generation college students and, and have completed, they, um, they see, the, I think, the living example of having seen parents that really, you know, saw education, and they also saw their mother going on to get advanced degrees, so that was also a role modeling for for them too. But definitely, I think it was my mother who was the one who said, "Of course, you're gonna, you know, continue to do well in school, etc."
1: No, I think that's so um, uh, fantastic that your mother really guided you and in, in enabling you to seize opportunities and discover possibilities. And and I know for Joyce and all that she's doing in in uh, providing independence for people with disabilities I'm focused on kids with disabilities, and so mm-hmm. perhaps sometime uh, we could talk about there may be some synergy of what we could do That'd and be great. I just wanted to offer that to you today and because that's what we're trying to do with our kids really what your mom absolutely did with you, great. I great I would welcome
3: that I would welcome that thank you
1: well, thank you for letting me be a part of today and you're with one of my favorite people in the world <laughs> who I admire beyond belief and I'm just thankful she brought you on the show and again welcome to Pittsburgh, and my, my mother would say to Oakland in particular. So
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank too Var- bad they don't have Charlie, the bakery here. <laughs> let's remind everyone, it's Variety, the children's charity providing inclusion such as Bikes bikes for kids that have been left out because of their disability. Um, and Charlie, too, had someone that really influenced him, Dr. Mellon, because he worked with Mr. Rogers of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And I know Mr. Rogers had a big impact on his life. Um, and so, you know, it's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. Right, Charlie?
1: Well, and he certainly uh, reminded us um, of the message that, uh, you are special, and so is your neighbor. And I'm sure um, you two, both of your lives, have been have been really dedicated to improving the lives of others. So, in honor of Fred, and my thanks to you two. Thanks for letting me join today, Joyce and uh, uh, Dr. Mellon. Again, welcome to Pittsburgh.
3: Thank you very much. Thanks, Charlie.
1: Thank you.
2: What an awesome person he is, Dr. Mellon. You will love him Go when ahead. you meet him. Uh, he also has a uh, religious background, and he, Dr. Uh, Mellon, he was very close to Mr. Rogers, known internationally, you know, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, mm-hmm. and um, boy, when you meet Charlie, you'll see what I mean. He's so well-known throughout uh, western Pennsylvania, but you will really enjoy uh, meeting him. He's just an awesome person. Great. So, here we go. We talked about the woman-only university that, yes, if you're a man, you can go to, even though it is woman-centered. Um, and one more time, if you want to make a contribution to Carlo University, you go to the website and you can make a contribution. What is that website, Dr. Mellon?
3: It is uh, www.carlo.edu. Uh, carlo.edu, go to
2: carlo.edu and you can make a contribution and guess what else? The show is archived. It is archived on voiceamerica.com and benderconsult.com which means you can have anyone go back, listen to the show. You know, if you go to my show, benderconsult.com, my, I mean my uh, webpage, you will see a big banner for the radio show and all of the guest is archived I'm ready for this 12 years ago. I can't believe I've been on the air that long. Mm -hmm. But why I'm telling you this is that if there's someone, like a young person or a parent, that wants to know about CARLO, go right there and listen to the show. And Dr. Mellon, you'll be able to download this and put it on the CARLO website, this show.
3: Great. Thank you.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, So... Wow, this next question, this is like, it was, I guess it was going to take us two hours when I'm asking you. You're expected to answer in a few moments, but I guess that's what will happen to you forever with the media. So my question is, what do you hope to achieve over the next five years?
3: Uh, thank you, Joyce, for asking me that. You know, as I've been here at Carlo for the last six months, I've spent... Uh, a, a large amount of time listening to people and hearing what their hopes and aspirations are as well as knowing what is distinctive about Carlo and where I hope for it to move um, into the future. So some of my view is that um, as we are moving forward into the future, I'm in the process of... Uh, really developing a strategic plan that has engagement and involvement from the entire uh, community is that we will be known as a very distinctive and renowned Catholic university in this region and beyond that's so based on what we're, you know, distinctive in our innovation our academic programming, our access for students, our partnerships. I think that's critical in today's world, that we really partner with others to address what the workforce needs are, as well as the evolving roles that People will have throughout their lifetime, and that we're also uh, distinctive with our service and outreach uh, in social justice in the community. I, I see Carlo as having very much a transformational um, educational experience, so my vision is that we continue to even build on that and augment that that we are preparing really leaders that are going to be going out and making a difference in this world. So it's somewhat around the theme of transforming lives, transforming the world. Uh, I see us having enrollment growth, becoming much more known across the region and across the nation for what we do deliver, as well as how we're responsive to changing and addressing what needs are currently as well as in the future. So I see that as being critical in the types of innovation, learning um, uh, methods and that we can do that can address the types of students that we Need to really, uh, position them for success as well as addressing what the community needs in the future.
2: Well, those are great goals and I will tell you for one, I am behind you. I know the board is behind you. I know, uh, Michelle Atkins, our chair is behind you and we in Pittsburgh will be behind you. So, uh, I, I just know that you're going to do these things and move us forward. And that just makes me so happy. Uh, I have only one last question I can have from a listener. These are either tweeted to me or on Facebook. And this question is from Sandy in New York. Uh, Dr. Mellon, have you ever seen such fierce competitive um, work from different universities, the academic world, trying to make sure they attract students
3: first? Um, no, I have not. <laughs> Simply put, no, I have not. I think it's, um, I think it is, uh, 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 it is, I think symptomatic and symbolic of the time that we're in in today's world. That um, universities and colleges today are in a very competitive landscape, and people have questioned the value of higher education and what it brings. And so as a result, uh, universities are having to, to really talk about, uh, what they do and what they deliver, what they, uh, what they provide, what the difference that they make in their outcomes and their graduates that they also do, and, and what that happens. So I am, I am not surprised, but it does require a level of innovation and entrepreneurial spirit to say, In this landscape of higher education, uh, Joyce, there is so much need in what the, what this nation needs to position itself to continue to really be a great country and using education as a vehicle to really do that. Um, so the importance of partnering across um, institutions, both within higher education, but as well as in organizations and businesses. The, the way to really ensure that we continue to grow as a country in the strength of the community is how we partner together, and that's both governmental, um, both businesses as well as education. So I see it more as an opportunity as opposed to just a competitive landscape. Um, and I think that um, there is still so much need. There is, uh, the opportunities for students... To go back and and get access to education is so huge. It is room for many people to participate in that. So I do think there are multiple opportunities. And being um, a private or independent colleges, we have provided access to many students um, across our region and beyond. So we have an important place in the landscape of higher education that cannot be undersold or undermined um, in this whole higher ed discussion and what we do to provide that opportunities for students out there in, in our region in the world.
2: Yes, and I think that it's so important to not lose fact that that is what it's all about, the students. It's mm-hmm. all about the students. And, you know, unless everyone works together, we're not going to get there. We really will not. So uh, we all know education is the key to change, and that's why I hope everyone will be behind this. Um, we have a caller, Jean, from Massachusetts. Are you on there, Jean? I am, Joyce, and this is Jenny Miller. Jenny! Hi, Jenny. How are
4: you? I'm doing great, Joyce. How are you doing?
2: I'm um, fine. Do you have a question here
4: for Dr. Mellon? I, I do, and this is a challenging one. Uh, I, I work, as Joyce knows, I work in uh, mobile crisis, uh, working with individuals that uh, they they call me up at at work, and we go out and assess children and, and young people that families are in crisis, and some of them are suicidal. Mm-hmm. Some hear voices. It's mental illness. And uh we had one just recently and, and I can't give too much because it's confidential. But uh we have a school situation where the principal is telling the student that she's lying about hearing voices. She's being bullied in the school situation and the school's not supportive. And uh I'm at a loss. What to do? Wow, today? that
2: is terrible, Jenny. Because that is absolutely terrible. Well, you know, Dr. Mellon, terrible. uh, what she's alluding to here, bullying, and, and it is terrible with students no. with disabilities, would continue on in college. What, what do you think about that?
3: I it, think some of that yeah. is, um, and I, and I empathize with, uh, dealing with, uh, challenges such as that because it does require raising the level of awareness and educating people about what are signs of that and how do you intervene. Just by saying it's not there doesn't make it go away. And it does require a uh, systematic approach and people to be able to recognize it. So I think for an individual who's facing it is how to raise that level of awareness to uh, be at a level where people are seeing it and recognizing it, and engaging more people in that conversation. Um, but I certainly know that um, in universities today, and in colleges, there's a greater awareness of looking at bullying. And we um, actually, on our on our campus, we do have um, an elementary school. We have a, a campus school, which is quite uh, renowned in this region, and with generations of uh, families that have sent their students to that, and providing access to that for students from within the region has also been a focus with us. And there is, I think, looking at what the values are that we are, if how you treat individuals, and the importance of looking at the individual and how they're regarded and that we have differences among our students um, that we want to honor, but what your caller is describing is something that is beyond uh, just being differences, but somebody that really would need some um, appropriate intervention to get the assistance that they need. So I think... Um, Student affairs in uh, today's university campuses are very much focused in on how do they assist a student uh, holistically so that they do get the support that they need to address challenges that may come up in their life. So it is a, a very holistic view of not just the academic but also the social, emotional, spiritual needs of students and how we address that when they come onto our college and university campuses.
2: And you know what, Jenny, um, I will try to also do some research uh, to help you with that. Thank you. Uh, Jenny Miller, yes. her son committed suicide, Sam, and she has dedicated her life to helping young people uh, with disabilities, with psychiatric disabilities, mm-hmm. with other disabilities to carry on. Uh, so to me, Jenny, you are a national champion.
4: Thank you, Joyce. Thank you. And
2: thank, thank you for calling in.
4: It's always a pleasure talking with you.
2: All right, thank you. Wow, I'll tell you what—you know—that really brings us back to that reason we need those values and social justice, right, Dr. Mellon? That's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Well, making Dr. sure Mellon. voices are heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who would ever imagine, as you said when you started college, that look what you've done. I mean, you have already accomplished so much in your life right now, but if what would you consider your greatest accomplishment?
3: Oh, that's a hard one, Joyce, Um, because I'm not sure on a continuum um, I could identify just one thing, um, but I would say, I'll, I'll, maybe, I'll maybe bifurcate my, uh, my answer. I think in a professional sense, um, what I am most um, pleased with is the ability um, that I've accomplished in my life to date professionally of being able to make a difference in the lives of students. That I've interacted with and I've served to provide opportunities uh, for where they um, have been able to be successful in their lives. I would I would pair that with the accomplishment of feeling that I've mentored faculty and others that I've led to see the difference that they make in lives. It's sort of that ripple effect of the difference that you can make. So I look at it in a very individual uh, individual sense. And on a personal note, I guess I would say one of the most, uh, uh, my greatest accomplishment I would say is uh, having raised four children that I'm very proud of and that I see going out and making a difference in the lives of others too. So it is that, uh, I very much that pay it forward uh, concept that you mentioned at the very beginning of your show, that when you can make the difference in the lives of others and you see that um, that they've they valued that, and they've seen that where they've been able to make make a difference in the lives of others. I mean, that's there's no greater uh, no greater reward than that. I think.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. well, that is so true. That is uh, no price tag you can put on that. No. Well, mm-hmm. well, first before we end the show, Doctor Mellon, thank you so much for taking time to be our guest today. Um, I'm just so proud to have you here in Pittsburgh. So, thank you so very much.
3: Thank you, Joyce. I've enjoyed it very much. And always talking with you is
2: great. <laughs> well, well, listen, Dr. Mellon, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today?
3: Well, I think the message I would like to uh, to leave, um, and I think maybe because of my background in having worked with uh, multiple individuals across many walks of life, is that people need to have hope that um, whatever they may face in life, that they can that they can work with others, that sense of resiliency and overcoming it to achieve what they may hope to do in their lives. And I think um, education and higher education can really partner with individuals to do that. So I hope they would see that... Uh, a place like Carlo University, and being a private and Catholic university, can really help individuals in that regard. But that people, um, I'm always amazed at the resiliency of individuals. And so, I would say, um, I would encourage people to still hold on to the dreams and aspirations of what they'd like to be and become, and look at where they can, where they can be in their future lives, and how higher education can help them achieve that too. Well, that is a great message, and as all my listeners know,
2: we end every show with a quote from someone that has impacted lives across the world, in our country, wherever, and as you all know, this is the week we celebrated Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., to me, one of the greatest civil rights leaders of all time. So it is only fitting that the quote would be from him today, who said, The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you all next week.